there are events that test our mettle and our resolve. As we move through this crisis, how are we coping, adapting, fighting on? Join us for local stories of perseverance, creativity, and contributing to community as we showcase Detroit area leaders who share their thoughts and stories and discuss how they and their organizations are managing adversity and serving others. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward and Metro Detroiters who are pivoting, evolving, and moving ahead. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward, I'm John Gay. As we battle COVID-19, one of the most commonly discussed issues is education here in Michigan, all over the country, and all over the world. With me today is Dr. Robert Shaner, Superintendent of Rochester Community Schools. Welcome, Dr. Shaner. Thanks for being part of Michigan Motors Forward. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. You were one of the first districts in the state to switch to remote learning. Can you walk me through the decision-making process and how you were able to make that pivot to something completely new to so many people? Yeah, it's, it's quite a story, actually. I think we should probably go back to when uh, when we decided to close school. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate to have a board of education that's very high functioning. And I have a particular board member that happens to be a systems engineer and watches literature on stuff like this very closely. And he'd been watching the modeling in January and February. In about the middle of February, he said, hey, Bob, I think you ought to be really keeping a close eye on this. At that time, we started to look around the country and, and look at other school districts that had been through closing that looked a lot like us. We were fortunate enough to partner with a school district in Seattle that's very much like Rochester. They were able to kind of walk us through some of the things they had done. And one of the things that we had done was put out a document and ask people to self-report in the community about where they'd been, possible exposures, medical fragilities, the age of the community, the age of our staff. And it became very clear at that point that we were going to need to close. Prior to that, we put together a COVID-19 task force, which consisted of parents, teachers, our union leadership, our cabinet members, our superintendent's cabinet, a pretty large team of folks. And we started planning right then and there to switch to distance learning if that were to come to fruition. And in very short order, we were one of the first school districts in Michigan to close based on the data that we collected in the community uh, and planned to shift to distance learning almost immediately. How important was it to have that task force and to have the buy-in and the perspective from so many different areas? I think it was critically important. It was critically important that people understood what the problem was. And it was critically important in terms of uh, division of labor and and the tasks that needed to be done. We were able to include special ed uh, right from the beginning. We were able to solidify our approach to uh, attend to social emotional learning first and treat this as a trauma-informed situation. We knew that our community and our kids would be going through a trauma and experience great loss. And we really, really focused on connections and relationships first, and content really is a second-tier priority. And we continue to do that. Content's certainly important, but what the kids are missing is the connections and the relationships. And what we're finding out is if they have those connections and relationships, they always exceed expectations with academics. You know, you mentioned the trauma-like event, and I love what you said about how you're putting the relationships almost ahead of the content because the priority there. How are you supporting students and parents when you consider that I'm sure everybody in your district has different levels of access to technology, whether it's an iPad or a computer at home or sharing resources with parents who are working from home? How do you navigate the large breadth of different folks you have to serve at this point? It's quite an undergoing uh, you can imagine we're 15,000 kids, we're 66 square miles, and we're in six municipalities. And again, I'm, I'm blessed to work with a team of people that are second to none. And really, late February, 
We had already started tearing apart mobile labs in high schools, the anticipation they were going to need those computers. Mm. My technology director early on ordered 500 hotspots while they were still available. And we were fortunate enough to be able to share those with other school districts. So it was really a team approach. And when you go back and think about what had been done in a short period of time, it's really, you know, people say it's amazing. What it is, is extraordinary. And again, we put the kids first. So we put out, I think so far, about 1,800 computers to people that needed them. Those mobile hotspots are almost all distributed at this point, either within Rochester or to other school districts throughout the state who needed them. We really, we really put the learner before the learning. And I think that really set our priorities. In addition to obviously the subject matter, what types of resources are you providing to your students and to your parents to help get them through, I don't want to say these trying times, I don't want to use a cliche, but get them through this time? Yeah. One of the things that we did, I think that's probably different than some other school districts. We're not a one-to-one school district, so kids didn't have iPads issued from the school district. They didn't have Chromebooks. And teachers used technology. They used things like Zoom from time to time. They used Moodle and Schoology but many of them were using multiple platforms. So we didn't have one systemic platform throughout the district. So we made a decision early on to trust our teachers to use the platforms that best worked for them in their environment. Furthermore, we continued and doubled down on the work that we were doing with the Center for Trauma Resilient Communities. And we brought that organization in remotely to help us work through this from a trauma-informed perspective. Now, we've been able to offer families and kids podcasts. So within that realm, we've been able to do professional development for staff and really, really keeping in the forefront of our mind that really folks are experiencing um, unprecedented times and unprecedented loss. One of the things we're dealing with right now uh, with our seniors, you can imagine the terrible loss of graduation and prom and all of those milestone events that are very, very difficult. We've worked really hard to be honest with our community. Uh, not to over to commit something that we're going to have to cancel later, and also really take the time to understand that people have experienced great loss. Obviously, you think about those seniors, whether they're high school seniors, college seniors, all those who are not getting to have these lifetime milestone events that they anticipate for so long, and that's certainly a challenge, I'd imagine. And I know there are a number of challenges, Dr. Shaner, but is there one or two particular challenges that you feel coming up day to day that are really occupying a lot of your uh, your time? <laughs> yeah, there's almost too many challenges to count. Well, there are too many challenges to count because everything is so interdependent and fluid. Mm-hmm. So many things that you're not in control of when you don't have proximity. But the two top things for me is, you know, of course, always safety, student safety, the safety of the staff, the safety of the community. And as I think about that, I think about what school is going to look like in the fall. How do we keep our students and our staff safe? And I also think about the uh, the terrible economic impact this has had and how are we going to proceed forward and still be able to provide a world-class education in an environment that's got to be socially distanced. I'm hesitant to ask you to, for a specific time frame because I know everything is so fluid and everything is yeah. changing so quickly, but do you have a goal to open up in the fall? I know you'll take your cues from the state as well, but do you have at this point a thought of when you might be able to open safely or what it's looking like as we record this on May 13th? I don't have any prediction. I can tell you that we have worked diligently with area epidemiologists from Ascension Providence. We have a school nurse that helps us out. I've talked to other epidemiologists in the community and outside of the community. We're watching the University of Michigan literature very closely. Our hope is to have school in the fall in some shape or form, but I do think it's going to be socially distanced, and I think it's going to be uh, quite expensive to do so, and we're going to have to really figure out how to do that. 
I mean, I'm imagining what could have been 25 kids in a class, and maybe they have to be 10 or 15 in, in a room if you spread them out. I can't imagine the logistics that would go into something like that. Yeah, the complexity of this is really, really mind-blowing. I mean, when you start thinking about, uh, I was on a phone call yesterday with a healthcare expert in Oakland County. She mentioned that probably everyone would have to be masked if we were to go back to school in the fall. You know, think about taking a transitional kindergarten student or a kindergarten student or any lower L student, mm. and you have to wear a mask six hours a day, you know, and then how do you teach them to have lunch through that? How do you make sure that they bring a mask to school? What happens when they don't bring a mask to school? What happens when someone in the school building is sick? Where do they go? You know, this particular person we were talking to yesterday said, well, sick kids shouldn't be in school, send them home. Well, in a perfect world, that's a great answer, except when a parent's working and they can't get there right away or there's some other significant and valid reason they can't get there, we're going to have to have some place to have sick kids stay. In the old days, we'd put them in the clinic. Well, right. in the old days, we also had kids coming and going from the clinic to get their medications and the things they do need to do on a daily basis, whether it be diabetic or some other medical situation. So again, the the contingencies that we're planning for are almost countless and more of them pop up every day. We are uh, closely following the uh, Opportunity Labs document, the Roadmap to Reopen, I think it's called, uh, Roadmap to Reopen School. Uh, that's broken down in six buckets. Uh, we've taken our task force and reassigned them based on those six areas in the roadmap. And we're moving forward in those themes uh, based with our subcommittees to uh, to do that work. And we're also thinking one vein might be a hybrid situation. One vein might be completely distance learning, and another situation might be school back to school as normal. And there's probably five or six other contingencies in there that I haven't thought about yet. <laughs> you know, we hear so many things uh, in the news and reading online and everybody sharing with each other on social media, the stress that parents are under when parents are having to play the role of working from home, but also keeping their kids occupied, also playing, you know, part-time homeschool in conjunction with their teachers. How has this been on the teachers in your district? I got to imagine it's been an incredible challenge. I think it's an incredible challenge. And, uh, Early on, I did a lot of reading to elementary school classes by Zoom as March was reading month, and then we moved into April. Mm -hmm. And the thing that struck me that was most profound to me is how much the teachers miss their kids. And we'd get on Zoom, and there would be tears running down their faces to see the kids. And I know, I know the kids feel the same way. Um, and Zoom, you know, Zoom's nice. It's nice to see people, but it's not that proximity connection. I think this has been extremely difficult on on teachers. You can imagine the, the situation you just described in terms of people working from home. Like right now, my wife's in the next room doing her job. I'm in here doing mine. My two daughters are doing their homework, I hope. Um, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> but think about a teacher who's trying to teach online, has three kids trying to do their own schoolwork, potentially maybe taking care of a sick loved one or, or who knows what. Because let us not forget, you know, this COVID-19 situation has touched an enormous amount of lives. When you think about the death rate that comes out of this uh, this virus, when you don't adjust, it's almost 10%. Seen the especially high numbers here in Michigan as well. One of the things that really sticks out to me as we've been having this conversation today, Dr. Shaner, is how quick you are to give credit to the folks on your team. I know you're a former police officer, former Marine. How has your training influenced your leadership style and how you work with a team that's so big with so many variables flying at you right now? Well, I uh, I appreciate you saying that. And I do work with a talented team. I am thankful for the my background now. <laughs> I've always been thankful for my background, but 
I would say that uh, my Marine Corps experience and training in terms of having my head on a swivel and being vigilant and being able to multitask and really uh, try to plan forward has helped out tremendously. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been in the Marine Corps, well over 20 years. But, uh, you know, it would not be uncommon when I was in Somalia to be talking on three radios at once. Mm. And that's something that is carried forward with me. The same thing as a police officer. It would not be uncommon to be talking to someone on the street, listening to the radio and making a decision with a colleague about what to do next. So that that has helped out tremendously. But I think, moreover, the team that I work with and the culture that we've built and the capacity that they have as frontline leaders really is where the strength lies here. I mean, I, I appreciate people giving me accolades for my leadership, but it's really our team and it's their capacity to lead and capacity to lead from a positive place, even in a, in a very arduous situation. Well, I think it's a credit to your leadership. Like I said, that you're quick to give credit to your team. That's a great leadership style to have. As we wrap up, Dr. Shaner, what messages would you have to both the folks on your team, the educators, the folks in the school district, and to the students and parents as well? Do you have any closing thoughts for them? Yeah, I think we have to be intentional about gratitude. And I, you know, sometimes I wonder and I hope if I, I've said thank you and I'm proud of you enough. And that's the message I have for them as I'm, I'm proud to serve with them. The message I have for the greater community is continue to be patient and most importantly, be kind. This is hard on everybody. Everybody comes at trauma from a different position. Trauma looks different to everybody. And the loss that everybody feels is very real. But tearing each other apart and being angry and mean is not going to help us. Uh, kindness will help us. Love will help us get through this. I know that sounds cliche, but we have to be intentional about that. Dr. Shanner, thank you for your leadership, thank you for your service, and thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Best of luck to you as we continue to navigate through this. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. Michigan Motors Forward is produced by Jag and Detroit Podcasts in partnership with Tanner Friedman Strategic Communications. Subscribe for free on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are found.